underground. Once again on the reading list, asking you about your three proudest works, poems that you believe should be in people's reading lists. And here on the Poetcast Project, we have a poet with a wonderful reading voice to talk to you today. Member since 21st of August 2013 and author of around 325 poems at the time of recording, on the underground is Goddess Worship, who is calling in from across the pond over in the States. Bob, how are you today? And thank you for joining us. You bet. Yeah. Good morning. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really enjoy the podcast. Good. And um, would you mind telling us where you are in America? Roughly? Uh, Texas. Texas. And yeah. how is Texas doing with the uh, the dreaded C word at the moment? <laughs> exactly. Uh, we're doing well. I mean, it's you know it's spreading and and uh, we're all um, you know we're all working from home and. And uh, we do kind of have a, um, what do they call it? They don't call it a lockdown necessarily. They call it a, a stay at home where you know, stay at home and only go out for for essential things, food and such. So, um, yeah, we're kind of like the rest of the world. We're, we're coping. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, it's made me a little bit more nervous. So, <laughs> And I suppose the burning question is, uh, have you run out of toilet paper yet? <laughs> no, we actually have. So, so. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say that. I might get some knocks on the door. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah. Yeah, that's, been, that's just been crazy. That's been so irrational. The things that people have been hoarding has, has been, uh, been uh, just uh, astounding. So. Dear me. Yeah. Um, now, Goddess Worship, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, mm-hmm. T- tell us, if you would, how this username came about, because it's quite unusual, isn't it? Yeah, and, um, you know, I've been kind of pondering that. I, You know, when I was uh, when I was young, when I was uh, six years old, my, my mother passed away, and I don't have any clear recollection of her, and I I think I think my life has kind of been in search of that that sort of female compassion and female you know I guess kind of the love that only a mother can can give and uh, you know my my father did remarry and I you know I had a uh, I have a stepmother who's who's very loving but but um there's just that disconnect that that happened there and I think it's it's kind of caused me to want to I guess you could say make women happy you know I, I think because you know I feel like um, I don't know I guess you know there's there's a part of me that says you know and and I know this is very common when when a, a small child loses a mother that you kind of take on that responsibility a little bit of, of that loss. And I think that's, uh, in a way, I think that's been kind of the reason that, and the reason I chose that name is because of, of that deference and that, um, that worship, you know, of, of kind of the female. And, um, and it's kind of interesting because <laughs> it's actually been um, kind of confusing for folks too, because, you know, I'll get um, I'll get a lot of you know uh, PMs from you know from both men and women you know thinking that I'm a girl, so <laughs> so um, and then um, and then some of them stop once they find out that I'm not. So <laughs> so yeah, that's that's been kind of interesting. 
but um, yeah, so that's that's essentially the the history of the the name. Um, I don't know if it makes any sense, but that's that's what it is. So. It makes perfect sense. It's all yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you come to be a member of Deep Underground Poetry? Well, um, you know, I started writing poetry again uh, after years and years and years and years of not writing anything. And um, I looked at a couple of other sites, and they just didn't, you know, fulfill my needs. And just, you know, by happenstance, I, I found uh, a DUP. I found um, Deep Underground just by doing a search by Google. And, uh, and I, liked, um, I liked what I read, you know, for the, for the uh, you know, the banner or whatever that you read. And um, so I decided to try it out. And of course, you're still here, and and seven here years later. Time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, what is it about the site that's made you stay all this time? I find more and more, and it was something that I, I didn't want to omit for quite a while, and that's that that I do, I do crave validation. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's nice to have kindred spirits out there who can read my poetry and give me an honest assessment of, of what I'm writing and give me, you know, positive feedback and, and kind of urge me on to uh, continue doing what I'm doing. And I remember the first person that uh, commented on a poem was Magdalena. And uh, she gave me actually some very good advice back then about, about writing poetry. And, um, and I really appreciated that you know, her reaching out to me and that kind of pulled me in and, and, uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've really enjoyed the ride. So do you think that the, um, the site has grown over your time here? Oh, definitely. And I think, um, technologically it's, it's vastly better than, than it was when I first logged in. Um, you know, we've seen, you know, We've seen a lot of people come and go, so I think from a social aspect, I, you know, I've I've lost some some folks that that I really enjoyed reading and um, and you know communicating with, but but uh, as far as the the site itself, it continues to to improve. And you know, I really thank Webness for doing such a great job in that respect, and in and, and everybody else that that helps in that in that regard and who knows where it will be in a in in many years time <laughs> yeah exactly maybe we'll have uh, holographic poems and <laughs> poems by telekinesis i'm holding yeah. up for there we go yeah. yeah although i don't know if you want to tap directly into my mind <laughs> 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 that might be a little dangerous. <laughs> well, um, well, thank you for that. I am going to move on to your first poem, if Perfect. I may. All right. Called Some of My Parts. Some of my parts. Who am I? An ever-changing answer. I'm confused on this point. These are the parts of my equation. I'm a prototypical Peter Pan, ever the six-year-old, frozen in time by the death of a loving mother. I'm an Edgar Allan Poe subject, unable to shake the pall of doom. I'm the second-grade Don Juan, wooing the young Andrea. I'm the boy in the attic, making love to a blue-green vibrator, finding joy and peace and sensation. I'm the 15-year-old dishwasher, yearning to touch the touch of a particular cocktail waitress, taught to man up by a tough, rough-housing busboy. I'm the singer, a constant stream of sweet, consoling music, keeping me sane and loved. I'm the lover of nature, hidden deep in the forest of, a mighty, of mighty redwoods. I'm the devoted friend, thinking no one could ever hate me. I'm the frustrated art, athlete, Still imagining a Super Bowl, World Cup, Olympic gold win in my future. 
I'm a couch potato obsessed with English detective mysteries. I'm a most unlikely computer geek, but aren't we all these days? I'm the simple reality of life learned by a stay in Spain. <clears throat> I'm the straight one singing in the opera chorus. I'm the devoted spouse, proud father, dedicated employee, sometimes unemployed, every Sunday churchgoer. I've clearly revealed too much, as is my want. Simply stated, I'm a poet. And of course, beautifully read there. And we have to thank you for being a regular reader on the podcast. Thank you so much for that. The opening line here is really quite striking because you've got who am I, an ever-changing answer. And I have to say that this is one of the most striking opening lines I've read since doing these interviews for the project. Do you think you ever really fit, and is this something that you struggle with? It is. Uh, But I think I do fit. I think I fit better than I'll let myself believe. Um, I think, I think it's my issue. I think it's a a psychological thing with me that, that never allows myself to fully believe that I'm fitting in, but that I do fit in, in so many ways, you know, in, in my life, but I just don't allow myself the, the luxury of believing that I do fit in, um, and, you know, I think that that goes back to the idea of validation that, um, you know, I need, I'm, I'm in constant need of somebody telling me that I do fit in and that I do, you know, write good poetry and that I do, um, you know, do a good job in my life. So, yeah, I am, um, I'm a, a, a big fan of Brene Brown and, um, she has, you know, she speaks a lot on vulnerability and shame and such. And, and, um, and one thing, you know, from her work is she has this idea of, are you enough and that you are enough, but uh, you know, I, uh, I'm always thinking that I'm, I'm not enough. So, yeah. And Brene Brown, of course, I'm a massive fan of her. I have to say, um, and this whole idea that she has of, um, I think the, the phrase that she used was walking into the arena. Yeah. And it was, exactly. it was the name of a poem that I wrote uh, inspired by her. But it's this idea of daring to show up and, and, mm-hmm. and being good enough. And I just think she's absolutely amazing. So. Yeah, she, she really is. She's really helped me to understand, especially the nature of guilt and of shame, you know. And, uh, you know, to realize that, uh, you know, it's been, it's been kind of a shameful life that I've lived and not, you know, not in a way that's, you know, it's all on me, you know? And, um, so, um, yeah, no, she's, she's been a revelation for me and she's right here and she's right here in Texas. So she's a professor at one of our schools here. Oh, immediate access. Exactly, exactly. Although not at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Right, that's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. No, she wouldn't come 10 foot from me now. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, you you touched on a couple of life struggles there and and a little bit of shame. But, I mean, there's a famous quote by Aristotle that states, there's no great genius without some touch of madness. Now, not in a bad way. But you've alluded here to death and to a lonely time spent playing video games, to the hidden deep in the forest. Um, do you think the pain in your life has shaped you to become the writer that you are? Oh, you know, without question. Um, and uh, just a correction on the video games. I, I actually don't play video games that much. Uh, I grew up in an era where there were, you know, pinball machines and stuff. But <laughs> <clears throat> I guess my reference there was was um, I was kind of uh, as a kid I was always very bad at math and science and uh, it's just to me it's just amazing that that my career now is uh, 
a computer career, you know. So, um, so that's that's kind of. But then we kind of are all involved in computers now, aren't we? So, um, but yeah, but you know, my uh, my kids definitely do do the video game thing. But, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think you know, right now I'm, I'm you know, kind of working out my life on the page and uh i think uh, trying to make sense of my existence through my writing and, and where exactly do i fit in so and i of course have to mention the line i'm a couch potato obsessed with english detective mysteries here <laughs> uh, it's more curiosity out of anything but what is it about english detective mysteries that draw you in well i think the first English detective that I fell in love with is kind of the granddaddy, Sherlock Holmes. And, um, and then, uh, you know, as a, <clears throat> I kind of read Agatha Christie voraciously when I was a kid. And I think what I, what I enjoy about the detective series, you know, other than the, uh, you know, the obvious of, of trying to, uh, you know, detect who is, you know, who's the culprit and, um, is I, I love the relationships in English detective series. I, I, um, I love the bromances and the bro womances and the woe womances and, and, uh, you know, just the, you know, just, just that, that interplay and, um, yeah. So that, that to me makes them more, um, real life and you know some of them that i really enjoy i really enjoy um i enjoy all the uh, series that have come out of the inspector morris um series and um i like midsummer murders and george Denley and vera and Broadchurch. Uh, one i've been watching a lot lately is kavanaugh qc and i know that's a that's an oldie for you for you but i do remember it yeah, but it's a new one for me. So I, um, yeah, I just really, I think since I was a, since I was a kid, I've enjoyed mysteries, and it might have started from um, reading Edgar Allan Poe when I was a kid as well. You know, <clears throat> so yeah, that's why I like detective series there, and I, I've watched just about every one of them. So. <laughs> Yeah. I really enjoyed the tunnel too. The tunnel was pretty amazing. Mm. Well, what I don't understand about Midsummer Murders is that they have this little village where they move to, and then everyone dies slowly. <laughs> Word of mouth alone would mean you would not move to this village. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Although there'd be a lot of vacancies, right? <laughs> Although that kind of does say a lot about the English people. They're like, ah, it'd be all right. It's just fine. We'll just move there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, and uh, I remember when I first started watching that show, I'd always hear this, this like, deathly howl that they would play all the time. What the heck is that? And then, and then finally I figured out it was a fox. And I was like, I had no idea foxes made that kind of a sound. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They are quite noisy. Yeah, they really are. So you've also alluded here to a sense of being saved by music. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what is it about music that feels like home to you? Well, I think music has essentially been my comforter since, you know, since I was a small child. I think I think I turned to music to kind of salve the wound of, of losing my mother and... Um, I recall I would, um, before I would go to grammar school, I would sit in front of my, my sister's old record player. And, um, you know, the, the first one that I memorized, I memorized Carol King's tapestry through and, um, you know, and to this day, I still remember all those words and, and it just gave me great comfort. Um, Oh, the second one, by the way, was Beatles revolver was, was my second record. Uh, completely memorized and I'm just um, and much to the chagrin I think of my family sometimes I'm constantly singing so 
there's always a song going off in my head and and um, it just it's given me a lot of peace and and uh, it's been an anchor in my life I mean this whole poem is clearly a declaration of the kind of poet that you are um what is it that makes you want to get up and write so to speak I think it's 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 a real catharsis for me it's it's my chance of expressing my true feelings who who I am and so um, I just get these urges to, you know, to write something out and a lot of times they'll they'll come to be fully formed which is which always amazes me and I just in the conduit I just write it down and um, and um, yeah it's just um, it's just been a real boon to my psyche, I think, being able to to write down my true feelings about things. So how would you like to be remembered as a poet? I think honest. I'd like to be remembered as authentic and honest. And, and um, I would like to think that people would get to know me much better by reading my words. Um, and um, you know, I would like to obviously be known <laughs> as a good poet. Um, I don't, you know, that's that's always a mystery to me. I don't, I don't know if I am or not. So, so, but then you know, there's a part of me also that says that doesn't really matter, does it? I mean, as long as as I'm true to myself, and um, and if other people like what I do that's just gravy right so you can please some people some of the time but exactly. not all of the people all of the time <laughs> exactly yep yep yeah. oh dear well thank you very much for talking about this poem I'm going to move on if I may to your second poem titled okay. The Lighthouse Keeper okay The Lighthouse Keeper outside a storm rages hurricane winds blow relentlessly Flying in vain to topple the phallic sentinel. Giant waves lick the painted walls, coating the length in salty foam. Inside the tower, the keeper, with surprising agility for his age, clambers up the tall spiral staircase to inspect the light, which he finds to be in working order. The Fresnel refracted beam, like gleaming swords, penetrates deep into the blackness. Now descending from out in the squall, he hears the familiar, steady, muted hum of the assaulting wind and the plaintive moan of the foghorn. Familiar, comforting music, like that of a long-ago memorized tune. Remembering what awaits him at the bottom of the stairs, he quickens his pace. There she stands, his companion for so many years, his face glows, entranced by her never-fading beauty. Long, lustrous hair cascades over her shoulders. Deep blue, soul-embracing eyes appear as a tropical sea. Full lips form a kind, inviting smile. Flushed alabaster cheeks, a hint of her excitement. The partial globe of her left breast peeks from her slightly parted robe. He enfolds her in his strong weathered arms, intoxicated by her scent, overwhelmed by her acceptance, they hungrily kiss, whispering, he professes his love. They part as he puts a record on his ancient phonograph. May I have this dance? He asks, as she once again collapses into his embrace. They waltz around the room to often box back a roll. He lays her down near the hearth, the welcome heat from the crackling fire shields them from the winter's chill, clutching one another, clutching one another's naked bodies. They become one, making sweet love long into the night. The storm has passed. He awakens to the sun shining through the window. The only sound comes from the needle riding the final groove of the record still turning on the player. She is gone. He quickly dresses and rushes outdoors, his ritual search for her. He is gr greeted by 
newly fallen snow and the squawks of seagulls flying overhead. Smiling, he gazes out to sea. Humming last night's barcarolle, he imagines the happy day when with her he will sail away. Now, some people write poems of a slightly more intimate nature, and they are, for want of a better word, garbage. (laughs) (laughs) But I think this is a really good example of how poems of this nature can be executed well. And to set the whole thing in a lighthouse and use that as a kind of almost phallic sort of metaphor, I actually found very visual in its description. And yeah. that is what really makes it work for me. Right. Mm-hmm. So what was it that inspired you to write this piece? I've always been, I've always had a fascination for lighthouses. And um, I think to me, they represent security. Um, but they do also represent isolation. Um, they represent uh, protection. Um I've been in a couple of them, and, and I'm always astounded at the uh, the thickness of the walls and the, you know, uh, how pretty much um, everything is closed out when you close the door of a lighthouse, and and um, and I find them very romantic as well. They've always, you know, had held a lot of romance for me, so um, so. And, uh, you know, I've, I've uh, told my wife before that I wanted to uh, retire to a lighthouse and write mystery novels in, in Maine. And she said, you have never experienced cold like Maine. So <laughs> don't even think about that. So, uh, but, um, but yeah, I just, um, I just find them very romantic objects. And uh, so I thought I would set a, uh, a sort of, ghostly romance in in the lighthouse so. i don't know if you've seen there's a film that was out recently although you probably can't see it at the moment because all the cinemas are shut right but <laughs> yeah, exactly. there's a film out recently called the lighthouse with willem dafoe and rob patson you know i've seen i've seen youtube clips of it and uh yeah i, I would love that it's the strangest thing i've ever seen but it oh, is <laughs> Wow. It's um, certainly it really romanticizes this idea of of the lighthouse and all of the the kind of stories that it encapu- encapsulates, and it's all shot in black and white as well, which is oh wow, um, really quite interesting. Yeah, so it might I, uh, be one to check out. <laughs> well, I'll definitely put that on my list because yeah, I um, <laughs> yeah, I just watch, really watch it in the daytime. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Now I am kind of a scaredy cat, so maybe <laughs> maybe I shouldn't watch it. <laughs> it's, it's not scary; it's just bizarre. Like oh, it's, just, just, it's just odd. Anyway, well, kind so, of when kind of when you put Willem Dafoe in there, <laughs> you'll expect a little bit of bizarreness. So yeah, yeah, he's a he's a bit of an odd odd fish, but yeah. never mind. Good actor. Very much so. Yeah. So what is it about the sea and the desolation that fuels so many poets to write about it, do you think? I think, you know, for me at least, um, I think about a a line from a Carly Simon song uh, called uh, Never Been Gone. And she says the, the first stanza of her song is um the wind is coming up hard um, strong and fast and the moon is shining on me miles from nowhere so small at last in between the sky and the sea and um she's on a boat heading out to an island and to me that when she refers to the sky and the sea i think it's the immensity of it. It's the it's the power and the um, it's kind of a mix of peace and power. Um, I always feel a lot of peace when I'm 
at the ocean side and and just the sound and the, but also having the realization that um, you know it's a powerful thing that you know could take a life it can give life it can take a life it's and um, but it's it's for me it's always a comfort to know that there's something out there that is more powerful than me and um, and that that I think is is the allure of the sea for me is that um, and you know I'm I'm actually quite intimidated by by the ocean to tell you the truth but um, but yeah I don't know that I would uh, ever be a very good sailor um, <laughs> but it's kind of this Taoist thing of wanting to become lesser than and small uh, you've got this um tremendous pathetic fallacy that runs through the words mixing in this gray sort of stormy scene to the relationship that's described here and it leads to this very brooding read with quite a seething emptiness and many of your rights do this i think they sort of ooze this emotion of some kind do you think that your poems are a direct reflection of how you feel about yourself oh most definitely and um I've always been a very emotional person. Um, you know, I can, uh, I can, <laughs> I can essentially shed a tear at the drop of a hat. You know, I, I, uh, my emotions have just been very deep, but very, but, but illustrated and demonstrated very much on the surface. And, um, and uh, I think that's just always been, something that uh, I've had to deal with in my life. And, and, you know, it's caused me quite a bit of embarrassment sometimes, I think, being so emotional. But, uh, you know, I've, I've learned to, to embrace it and see it as a beautiful thing and something that should be demonstrated. And I think, I think as a whole, we need to demonstrate our emotions more uh, and be real about that. So, but it's definitely... Um, yeah, you can definitely see my emotions through my poetry. So, yeah, I, I used to do a thing called the Daily Upper, and I still do it every once in a while. It's a, where I would post a quote every morning uh, that I thought was inspiring. And somebody told me one time that uh, they could tell they could tell what my emotion was for the day just through that quote. So, yeah, so. I am definitely a hard-on-my-sleeve type individual. You see, I used to do that quite a lot. And then I had, because they contacted me and they went, I'm so sick of you posting positive quotes all the time. <laughs> and I was like, excuse me for being happy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, you do have your free will. You don't have to read them. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but I've had so many people say that they really miss it, and so I've um, I've tried to. I have a, a Facebook page called the Daily Upper, so um, uh, I just don't visit it as much as I used to. But um, I'm going to start doing it again. I think I think uh, people really. It's been a good way to keep in contact with my family as well. Mm. So because of um, the the, the fact that you wear your heart on your sleeve, do you consider yourself a bit of a dreamer? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think I'm in a constant dream state. <laughs> yeah. Best place at the moment. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, I'm, I'm definitely, definitely a dreamer. That's for sure. And some of them do come true. So, yeah. But, and I think that really informs my poetry as well. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. All right, you bet. Um, we're two-thirds of the way through the interview now. Uh, so, as always, I like to take a little bit of a breather from the serious stuff and just check in and ask you how you're doing. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Good, good. Thank you for doing this. <laughs> mm. uh, as usual at this stage, I'm going to ask a question that was originally asked by Layla in the forum because I'm always interested to hear the answer. So, if you were to have a dinner party 
with three DU members, past or present, who would you invite to dinner and why? Can I have three tables? Two meters apart. Very yeah. large, yeah, very large round round tables. <laughs> um, no, I just have so many poets that I admire on DU, and um, you know, I I'm probably gonna slop over and mention more than three, but um, I think um, two that have really influenced me are our Shadow. She just has such a uh, avant-garde way of writing and um i've told her before that she kind of reminds me of a of a, a mix of you know edgar Allan poe and dolly and um <laughs> just kind of this uh just kind of this macabre but but sometimes they're just so romantic as well um i really admire layla and um her kind of um she almost kind of writes in a in a uh, magical realism, mystical realism type style, kind of like uh, Isabel Allende. Let's see. Um, uh, little Dragonfly. She's been she's been um, you know, a friend of mine for a while, and she she writes wonderful poetry. And I would mind her at the table. Uh, crow, uh, Crowfly. Uh, I really like Rob. Um, what is Rob's? Oh, he's from Wales, I believe. Trouble loves me. Yeah, trouble loves me. Uh, I I've really liked his the rawness of his poetry. Like, um, yeah, just he's another one that you can really tell where he is, uh, you know, psychologically through through his poetry. But um, you know, I. I would just miss so many people. <laughs> There's just so many wonderful poets out there. Um, I really enjoy your poetry, actually. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, like I say, I was, I would definitely accept. Um, Broken Titanium up in Canada. I think she's wonderful. I'd love to climb a tree with her. And uh, I think if I were younger, I'd go out clubbing with Najir. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> he, he's a pretty amazing love poet, I think. But um, yeah, there's just some some wonderful poets, and uh, I apologize to anybody that I've <laughs> neglected to to mention. Well, thankfully, because of lockdown at the moment, nobody can go out and hunt you down. So it's okay. <laughs> that's right. You know, I've missed I've missed Al. I don't know where he is, but. Uh, I've missed his poetry. Yes. So, uh, Solidarity, uh, what is it, Yeah. I really enjoyed the interview you guys did with him. Uh, that really <laughs> gave me a lot, a lot of insight into his, you know, his persona. Oh, he's just lovely. And big yeah. up, Sol, if you're listening. Uh, he's another one that kind of writes very kind of magical type you know, so. Yeah. So a big dinner party then. <laughs> yeah, a very big dinner party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we'll rent a hall. <laughs> yeah. So at this stage, I'm going to move on to your final offering, which I believe I'm going to read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called Bel Canto. Life's breath. From deep inside, upward it climbs, by diaphragm propelled, cross thrumming chords, tune formulates, dynamics modulate, melodious missile through troubadour lips explodes, notes off walls ricochet, penetrating hearts, bombarding souls with rhythm, oral possession causing smiles to grow, toes to tap, fingers to snap, Crystal tears to flow, happy hands to clap. Storytelling vibrations propagate messages of peace, love, pain, sensuality, rebellion. To bind wounds, be continually resurrected from the misery, the tedious doldrums of this terrestrial existence. For all this do I sing. That was beautiful. 
Thank you. I've, I've, never, <laughs> I've never had anybody else read my my poems, and that was that was just gorgeous. Now, bel canto is a term I came across when I was studying graded music theory, because it refers to the classic Italian singers. But at the same time, it refers to a style of singing that is now vague or lost. So what is it about bel canto that inspired this poem for you? Um, I think for me, it was it was a way to express the the overwhelming beauty of music you know um i did have a chance i i i sang in an opera course for a couple of seasons and i found it to be such a um i guess um transforming experience i mean it it was amazing to uh to dig deeper into some of those beautiful pieces of music and and um and you know, to me, I think opera kind of represents that that um, that older style of music, but that's just completely awesome form of music. And um, I, yeah, I think I think I chose the title just to emphasize the beauty of of singing. And um, you know, and I know. I know that you, uh, that's kind of why I wanted you to read it. Cause I know that you can really relate to that being a musician yourself. And, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I just, um, yeah, that's, that's why I chose that title. Well, relating to that, I mean, you use much description here to describe music as tunes formulating. And it got me thinking about my own OCD and why music appeals to me so much. Um, because music is linear and you can pick it apart and beneath the noise and the lyrics and the instruments the notation never changes it's like code it's just you can break it down um and it's a certainty in life down at the bare bones yeah exactly so so what is it about music that continually makes you want to revisit it in your writing i think um like you know i said before it's it's kind of the foundation of my existence, I think. And um, I, I, I don't know that I would be here if there wasn't music, you know. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it's very evocative of, of past times, you know, good times and bad times. Um, it's kind of strange um, when I hear, for example, Angie by the Rolling Stones, uh, I always think of my mother for some reason, even though that song, I guess you would say post dated her, her death. I always think of her cause it's, it's such a sad song, you know, and it's uh, but it's a beautiful song. And, um, a lot of times I find myself having memorized the music rather than the, the lyrics of a song. And it's the music itself. Like, like you were saying, it was, the music itself is is the basis of my attraction to to that piece of of music and um yeah it, it just you know it, it evokes memories it makes me feel happy it um you know it uh, yeah I, I just would be nowhere without it and you've also summarized that in that last stanza where it says to bind wounds be continually resurrected from the misery so what is it about poetry and music and the arts that continually saves people, do you think? Um, I, th- I think it gets them out of themselves. I think it, it lifts them from, from their own worries and their own cares. And, <clears throat> you know, sure, a lot, of, a lot of music and poetry is, is pretty dour, and pretty, um, but I think in in that respect, I think it's it's almost kind of a connection of um, the world is hard for everybody, not just you, you know. Um, 
so I think in that respect, it, it brings you out of yourself as well. But it, it allows you to be transported somewhere else. And uh, I think fine art does that. I think, you know, modern art does that. I think poetry and uh, music. Um, I've always wanted to write music, but I have so many damn songs stuffed in my head that I would, I would always fear that I would be um, uh, derivative when I when I wrote. But um, uh, one day, one day I'll sit down and write a song. I think. But um, yeah, no, I just um, I just uh, you know I, I just think it it adds so much beauty to our lives. Would you ever uh, collaborate? Obviously, we've got a lot of skills on the DU, mm -hmm. different people. And is that something you think that you would do? Oh, definitely, definitely. I've loved my collaborations in poetry. You know, um, Shadow and I have written uh, quite a few times together, and I've written with uh, with uh, with other folks too. I I love doing that. I love kind of that melding. I find it very fascinating to try and meld my style with that of another and, you know, make beauty that way. Kind of, you know, putting two lives together and, and making, uh, you know, making music. So. Mm. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. Oh, you bet. And yeah. <laughs> May I say how privileged we are to have you here on the Poetcast Project, and well, it's you. been an honour, of course. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. It's been an honour to uh, to be interviewed by you. I I love your style, and um, and I just uh, yeah, I just I just think you do a great job. So always nice it's, to hear. It's a definite honour. Yeah, yeah, it's a definite honour for me to be interviewed by you. So before you go, could you give us some recommendations on who it is we should be reading on the DU? Yeah. Um, well, there's there's the ones that I've mentioned already. You know, I think um, Shadow. She has she has a you know a, a pretty uh, vast collection on the on the site, and Layla is always has some some wonderful poetry. I'm trying to think of some of the more recent ones. That, you know, there's. <laughs> You know, you could still read their poems, but there was a new one. Rachel Lauren was very good, and uh, Sophie was was really good. And they're, you know, they're they're no longer writing on the site for some reason. I really like uh, Little Dragonfly. I think she's she writes some wonderful poetry. I unfortunately have not been a great reader of, you know, I have this this group that I read, and then uh, I don't take the time to to really uh, broaden my horizons, but that's that's something that I need to do more. Uh, I really like Sky Dancer. I think she writes some beautiful poetry. Uh, GMAC, I, I, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but but uh, I, I like her poetry a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I do tend to be more uh, attracted to the poems written by women, as, as you can tell by... <laughs> By my, uh, I guess my 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 ethos or whatever. I, I don't know if that's the right word, but but uh, but there's some some great men out there. I mean, the solidarities and and Josh Josh has some wonderful poems, uh, and I really like his um, you know style of writing about life, you know, and uh, and history and all these kind of neat neat things. I really liked Kexby and and uh, you know you and I discussed. Kim, I, I don't know where he's he's gone, but uh, I really liked his poems about the English countryside, and and uh, it really gave me a you know a, a wonderful feeling. So yeah, I, it's a, you know, it's a nice thought though, isn't it, that these people that have disappeared are just out in the world somewhere. Yeah, I, I just thought, like the thought of that. Yeah, that they kind of live on. Oh, definitely, and and. And there's also, uh, see, that's that's the wonderful thing about poetry is we're leaving a legacy as well. You know, it's so if my poems manage to last, you know, five or six more generations, you could have, you know, great, 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 great <laughs> grandchildren reading about, you know, <laughs> this guy that wrote poetry and 
you know, if uh, if I allow my uh, my poems to be that widely read. I mean, it's I I pretty much really only have two other people that really know that I even write on the site. You know, in my normal life, I guess you could say. So I'm pretty secretive about my poetry. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I, I'd like to change, but I don't know. I, I live I live in kind of a very conservative environment, and I don't know that some of my real thoughts would be accepted that well. So. Uh, as uh, as Brené Brown says, walk yeah. into the arena, yeah, <laughs> see exactly. what happens. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I you know I I uh, I need to uh, develop the colonialist statue. <laughs> <laughs> to do that, I think. Um, but I, you know, I am very satisfied with the relationships I have with uh, with DUP, and and um, and it's just kind of neat that independent of the people in DUP, to know that so many other people read your uh, your poems. One thing that's always fascinating to me, and I wish there was a way we could gauge this, but is to know if people actually read the poem all the way through. Mm-hmm. Or, or if they just read the first line and then move on, you know. So, so uh, I try not to get bogged down in the statistics. Yeah, right. I try not to look at mine too much. So, any final thoughts that you'd like to leave us with? Um, I guess I'd like to encourage everybody to continue writing and uh, you know continue burying your soul on on uh, deep underground poetry. I I really enjoy learning about new people and learning about the lives of others that I take great, great joy in that kind of relationship. So, um, I, uh, I don't have it available, but there's, there's a quote that I enjoy from, uh, Emerson where he just, um, he talks about, uh, what a beautiful thing it is to have somebody to sit down and somebody who understands who you really are. And, um, I think that's the beauty of poetry is if we can really understand deeply who other people are. And I try to write, write that way. But uh, yeah, that's, that would be my, my final shot, I guess. You're wonderful. I, I really enjoy uh, what you do. And that sounds good enough to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, well, thank uh, you very much. All right, you bet. And uh, stay safe and over there in England and, you know, we wish everybody the best in the world with, uh, with what's going on with the coronavirus. So, And hopefully the world won't have gone full World War Z by the time we, <laughs> we put this out. Exactly. So. Over toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you'd have thought that's how it ends. <laughs> Charming <laughs> Ultra. It's, a, it's actually kind of, in a way, um, poetic. Mm. <laughs> so. Yeah.